everyone. Welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sadam, and we are just around the corner from Thanksgiving, one of my most favorite holidays, and things are going to start getting pretty busy as we go through Christmas. So hopefully everything's going well for you and that you're finding a little bit of time to enjoy yourselves. Today, we're on episode six of the Crucial Talks podcast, and this is all about resiliency, about how we can work together how we can build a group, and how that group belonging can build resilience into our systems. Now, we have all had something bad happen in our lives, and this episode is all about how we can build resiliency by using the power of groups, ways that we can build in the capacity to handle those bad things happening. In this episode, we talk about traumatic events, but most importantly, we're going to talk about how to leverage the positive strengths of group dynamics to build the capacity to bounce back and deal with traumatic events. Specifically, I'm going to give you three techniques you can use, three things you can think about. And although we focus on these three areas of identity and how we are social animals and, and how all that works together within the systems where humans exist, the theory behind it works in other areas of leadership and safety. So it's not just about communication, how you build these good feelings. It's really about how you can use these techniques and other aspects of your organizations or your family or any other group you belong to. And this could even work for communities responding to disasters. First, let's talk about traumatic events. Traumatic events can happen in a family, at work, or to a community. Think about things that can cause tra traumatic events. It could be as bad as a death or injury of a coworker. It could be a threat to a company because of a downturn in the economy, or it could even be a natural or man-made disaster, such as a fire, a hurricane, or even a terrorist attack. So these traumatic events have an impact on the systems we're in because we're human beings. So a traumatic event is something that an individual within that group perceives as life-threatening, as unexpected, um, something that of, is of high intensity. And if we think about this a little bit, we can see that it can vary depending upon how an individual experiences or perceives that event. And when I say life-threatening, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that their, their actual physical life is in danger. I mean, obviously it could, but it can also mean a huge change in somebody's life. It could just be a dangerous thing that's happening to them, or it could be a threat to their company, right? Somebody going out of business, them losing their job, something like that. So the impact to a person can range anywhere from uh, being distressed to having actual behavioral changes to, to actually being diagnosed with a psychiatric illness. The impact of these traumatic events can be pretty wide-ranging. Now, the effect to a person is largely psychological when we're talking about traumatic events. Understanding that, that it's a psychological impact to somebody, we should look at theories that encompass psychological processes to find out how we can positively influence the psychological outcome of a traumatic event. What can we do to help people be resilient, to help our, our companies or our families or our communities be more prepared to, to bounce back, to respond to these traumatic events? Now, we're talking about resilience. So what is resilience? Resilience really refers to the ability to recover and continue functioning after something happens. So something bad happens, you recover from it, and you can continue to function. Now, whether this is an individual's ability to recover and continue to function or an organization's ability to recover and continue to function, resilience, when we're talking about whether it's an individual or a group, is really the capacity to bounce back. 
And we talk about capacity just like we talk about capacity in safety. So in safety, we talk about the capacity to achieve organizational goals, the, the capacity to achieve success in an organization. That's really what safety is when you talk about safety as a capacity. And that is the ability not only to succeed when bad things happen, but the ability to absorb failures, absorb problems that occur. So resilience is like that. It can be thought of as a capacity, capacity to bounce back from things. So I believe we can think of certain concepts such as capacity because of the fact that we exist in human-based systems. And because we exist in these systems, being able to manage the capacity of those systems gets us further down the road than trying to apply some kind of linear model to these systems. I mean, there are a lot of things going on when you have a human-based system like the organizations we work in. Anything that has to do with people, I think, really needs to be managed as a system because you're not dealing with a with an object, right? You're, you're not dealing with a tangible resource like, uh, like a steel beam or something like that that you're just trying to move. You're dealing with complex people that are driven by certain things. So the systems that we're concerned with and I'm talking about here are human systems where we can take an appreciative approach, which at, what that means is we're looking at a positive way to impact that human system. All of this that we've talked about means that one way we can look at how to build resilience is to remember that human beings are social animals. And I would argue that we are the most social creatures on the planet because not only do we need each other and we crave that belonging and we, we need to develop self-esteem by belonging with other people, we can actually tell stories that create those feelings in other people. So even though we're social creatures and there's other social creatures on this planet, nobody else can really fabricate reality like we can. Nobody else can tell these stories to elicit an emotional response from others, and that makes us really powerful and really adaptable. And that's why I argue that we are very, very social creatures and the most social creatures on the planet. So understanding that, I think we need to start dealing with our systems that we work in as social systems. And if we can do that, I think we can go really far down the road in safety and leadership, resilience, all these things we talk about, these, these qualities we want from the organizations we belong to. Because they're systems of human beings. So applying these social concepts uh, can really help us. Now, when we're talking about social animals, and we're talking about human beings as a social animal, what, is actually, what does that mean? Well, what that means is, one, we get satisfaction in our lives from being with others. We crave that belonging. Even people that claim they want to be by themselves, they still want to belong in some way to a group. The second thing is we thrive because of the social motivation we get from others. In addition, we get strength from the support of others. So the, the things that we can accomplish, you've heard it before that we can accomplish more together than we can on our own, and that's because of that support you get from your group. So let's listen to this short clip from a documentary and listen to what's being said here, and we'll talk about it in one second. A lot of guys didn't want to come. They felt they were ready to go straight there. But it's different than training on your own. You train with a large group of guys build a camaraderie, get a good chemistry before we go, I think it's a really good idea. Keep it up now, keep it up. Their coaches are great. They're actually positive motivators. And that helps a lot of guys who are not as strong. And it's helped every single guy. So in that clip, we could see a group of people that are dealing with something very, very tough, a really difficult task. 
Now think about applying this to yourself. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had to deal with something that's really hard and you're by yourself? And compare that to when you were having to deal with something really difficult, but you were with a group of people that were pushing you to keep going. Where were you able to accomplish more? It is a lot easier to quit when you don't feel part of that group or you don't feel the support of a group than it is if you're by yourself. So there is no change to these people's physical bodies from one moment to the next. But the motivation from other people keeps people going. You see what I'm saying here? It's it's There's nothing going on differently physically in the body, right? You're still in the same body. You didn't all of a sudden uh, gain more muscle in a split second. But the context changed, and now your psychological response to that context can also change. So the important thing to realize there is that the social motivating factors are so much more powerful than anything you do materialistically. So those social drivers, the things that make us want to belong to groups and have self-esteem and all of those great things we feel when we're part of a team, that's what's driving people to keep going. And that's an important part of everything we're talking about with resilience and talking about these social factors as ways to have an impact on these systems that we work in. Now, let me give you another example. We talked about the fact that sometimes it's easier to quit when you're by yourself, but I want to put that into context for you. The the way it makes it easier to quit is, is when you're by yourself, meaning you don't feel part of a group. So let's take the SEALs, for example, Navy SEALs. Just the fact that they know they're a Navy SEAL, even when they're by themselves, that identity that is so important to them will drive them to just keep going. You don't actually physically need somebody next to you telling you to keep going. It's a psychological response. It's that social belonging. So just being part of that group, even when you're physically by yourself, if that identity is so strong in you that it can push your behavior, then that you're going to get the benefits from that even when you're by yourself. It's, it's not just the, the physical proximity that matters. It's the social belonging, psychological belonging that you feel being part of a group. Now, we have, we've talked about this, and we know that people are social animals and that that social motivation is much more powerful than any material motivation. You will get more from social motivation than you will pay for performance. So the important thing to realize is that we are trying to impact people socially. And if we can impact people socially, we can have a positive effect on things like resilience. The thing we're talking about today, how we're stronger together than we are apart. Now, this means that much of what we can do to build resilience does not cost any money, and it doesn't require more technology, and it doesn't make you hire more people. It's socially based. So that means that by impacting people socially, we can build resilience without having to add add any extra technology, more employees, anything like that, right? I'm telling you this stuff is free. It's just a matter of how do you now use it? So how can we build resilience within our teams and our organizations so that when something bad happens, the people we count on to get the job done can bounce back? And there are three areas we can concentrate on in order to prepare people for and ultimately deal with a traumatic event. First, you may have heard me talk about it before, but it's this concept of a superordinate goal. And a superordinate goal are those goals that appear uh, important to broader groups. So ask yourself, what goals can help us be prepared to deal with a traumatic event? And do those goals apply to multiple groups, such as both management and field personnel? Letting people know that the group is prepared for something bad to happen 
and how that group is prepared can help you develop the superordinate goal of trying to be resilient. Using this thought process about superordinate goals helps to reinforce the in-group identification of the organization. What that means is people feel like they are part of the group, and this provides them with a feeling of mutuality and belonging. And when that superordinate goal is the broader context of your company or your community or your family, when that person knows they are part of a social group, this helps them overcome a traumatic event. Bad things are easier to deal with when we are in it together and not alone. So this concept of mutuality and belonging leads us to this second area that we want to focus on, and that is fostering group belonging. Developing cohesion is an important way to help increase the capacity for resilience. Look at how military units can continue to operate in the face of significant hardships and danger. They can lose people in battle, and they will keep going. They will, they will work really hard and push themselves just because of the fact that they have this level of cohesion, this group belonging. They're doing it for their, their group. They're not doing it for this broader context of you know the protecting the flag or freedom of speech or anything like that. They're doing it for the people that they work with. They're doing it for their friends. They're doing it for their teammates. Now let's, let's take a, another example, something that's a little bit easier uh, closer to home. If you've ever been in a group exercise class, um, say doing one of these Spartan obstacle courses or CrossFit, something like that, have you ever noticed that people will push themselves a lot harder than they will if they're exercising by themselves? Have you felt that? Do you push yourself harder when you're working out around people or when you're just at home trying to work out at your home gym? People will work out harder for the same reasons, right? It's that group belonging and that motivation to be part of that social group. People tend to be able to deal with more and push themselves harder when they're part of a group. And people also belong to groups that provide them with positive self-evaluation. If they feel they belong to a group that isn't providing them with this positive outlook on the group, they will seek a different group. And it won't have the same motivating effect as belonging to a group that gives you that self-esteem. So this leads us to our third capacity building technique, the third area of focus, and that is emphasizing the positive. When bad things happen, dwelling on the negative doesn't help anything. As social animals, people seek positive self-evaluation and esteem building. So reflecting on the positive creates a desire for people to be part of that group. So focus on giving people meaning. Give people meaning to exist, meaning to belong to that group. And within this meaning, Concentrate on communicating a set of values that give people the feeling that they are important, that they're doing something that is part of something bigger, and that will help build that self-esteem we're talking about. Now, the three techniques we have discussed so far give us the opportunity to build the capacity to be resilient. But these things can also be considered when an actual bad thing happens. So let's end by considering what we can do when a bad thing does occur. First, we can use social bonding to help people bounce back. And how do we do that? We let people help. The first thing we can do is let people help. Helping that social in-group only increases the feeling of belonging. It increases the bonds that tie everybody together. Second, and, and kind of similar to that, is create opportunities for people to support each other. 
So maybe there isn't a, an opportunity for them to actually help out, physically help out and take action. But they, you can create opportunities for people to support each other. And this also strengthens social bonds. And social bonds are kind of like tying rafts together. There is safety in numbers. And finally, don't create silos after a bad thing happens. For example, if during normal operations you've created relationships between management and line personnel that have improved production because there's a larger group of belonging to the company and everybody's seeking company goals, then something bad happens. Don't all of a sudden create silos after, after an incident. Don't put walls up. People have a tendency to cluster into their groups during and, and after a traumatic event. So don't change how you've dealt with social groups in your community, but instead reinforce this larger superordinate identity because that way everybody feels they're in it together. And the company as a whole will bounce back faster when they have that larger superordinate identity. But that being said, if you don't have a strong company culture, perhaps you just started listening to this podcast, you're just starting to develop this, this broader superordinate identity, this broader way of people belonging to the organization, but you're not there yet. You, you haven't been there, and tomorrow something bad happens. You could still use this knowledge. Remember that people will cluster together in the groups they feel closest to, and you can use that to help people through a traumatic event. They're going to cluster into the groups that they know. Their, their shift or workers um, will, will cluster together instead of being with managers. They will start to gel together, support those groups, and their attempts at dealing with the events. You know they want to help. You know they want to give people support. You know they're going to cluster into groups. So to come back from that traumatic event, you may not have the superordinate identity yet, but you could still use these thought processes to help people bounce back. So this will not only help them bounce back faster, but it may also help you pave the way to create a larger social group in the future because you are supporting their in-group. And they will see that. They won't see you as, a, as an enemy or an out-group member. So you can use these things even if you have not yet developed this superordinate identity for your company. So in this episode... We've talked about how to use social identity as a way to build resilience and help people after a traumatic event. And people, because we're social animals, can be helped and can excel by dealing with their social needs. Thank you very much. This is the sixth full-length episode, and there are short, crucial chats that are also available. And remember, those crucial chats are things that hopefully I, I will drum up some conversation within your organizations and any of these episodes, you can feel free to use um, in your organizations during meetings. You have my permission to do that. And those crucial chats are specifically for that. They're short and they're made to drum up conversation and try to develop some dialogue around some of these issues we're dealing with. And the final thing is, if you find value in, in the Crucial Talks podcast and anything I'm doing here, please share it. I'm really trying to build this community of practitioners that are interested in human behavior because I learned so much from all of you, and I'm hoping you're getting some value from this also. So please share the podcast, review it, and let other people know it exists. And please, if you can, visit the Crucial Talks website at crucialtalks.com and connect with me via email or on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. However you, you feel more comfortable interacting with me, that would be great. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. Thank you.